Well, this morning we had a fantastic little children's skit that has already gone through our passage this morning. Uh, But if you are joining with us for the first time or you've been here through all of our Advent series, we are looking at the different people present at the nativity of Jesus Christ. The first week that we gathered together for Advent, we looked at the person of Joseph. And we explored what it meant when it said in the scripture that Joseph was a just man. And how as we unpacked that scripture, what we saw was a man full of compassion and mercy. One who wasn't bound by the Old Testament law, but was bound by his love of God. And instead of looking to shame Mary for being pregnant out of wedlock, pregnant with not his child, he was moved by compassion and mercy. And then the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not be afraid, for she carries the Christ. And then we looked at Mary last week, and we explored what it was that was going on in Mary during this time when she found out that she would be carrying the Christ child. We saw Mary, one who was not faithless in the midst of what could have felt like a curse upon her, a a thing that would have caused her to be ostracized and marginalized, to be kicked out of her family, to be shamed by her neighbors, that should have led to the stoning of her at the gate. And yet the Lord revealed that it was blessing, that it was a miracle, that it was a gift from God. And instead of Complaining and grumbling, she was full of joy and she had what we call the holy curiosity about the blessings that God bestowed upon her and how we in our own lives need to see this great blessing that we have in Christ Jesus and how he is working in us and through us for us and for our salvation And how we in the midst of our lives need to live with this holy curiosity, asking ourselves, Lord, how are you at work in our lives even when things don't seem to be going as I planned? For certainly Mary did not plan on having a child outside of wedlock. And now today we turn to our scriptures in Luke chapter 2. And so if you have your Bibles with you, you can go ahead and open to Luke chapter 2. And we're going to be looking at verses 8 through 20. And we turn our attention today to the shepherds that were present at the nativity of Jesus Christ. Let us hear these words today from the gospel of Luke. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, And lying in a manger. 
And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and earth peace among those whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, as we come before your throne this morning, We come knowing that you are a God full of compassion and mercy, full of love and grace, a God who wants to draw close and near to our hearts and show us what it is that you are revealing in these passages for us today. God, we thank you. We thank you that you have given us the scripture to reveal the nature of your Son, the nature of your heart, and the work of your Spirit. We love you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, as we were listening to the children's skit this morning, we've already heard this passage read to us. And when we heard this passage read to us, we heard in the skit that the children were asking the question, well, who are the shepherds today? What does that look like? What does it mean to be a shepherd in the 21st century? And it was revealed to us that a shepherd is one that has a job. There are many that work for their lives. We all have work that we do. So in one sense, we all could be considered shepherds in the sense of our working, of our doing, of the jobs that we hold or have held in our lives. But I want us to push this a little bit further to consider the class that shepherds found themselves in. That is to say, what rung on the ladder in society were shepherds considered? And the reality is that shepherds were considered at the low of the low. The only group that might be lower than shepherds were lepers. Think about that. The only group that might have been considered lower than shepherds would be the lepers. Those who were ostracized for their skin disease, thinking that they were marked unclean by God. But here's what it usually meant when someone saw a shepherd in that day, first and foremost, they were, they were dirty. They were constantly working out in the field. They had dust all over them, all over their feet, all over their clothes, all over their body. They were generally regarded as unreliable in a court of law and untrustworthy. Their testimony would not be received. They weren't worthy enough reliable enough to have their word counted as true. Another thing to think about is that oftentimes shepherds were thieves. They thought more about what is mine rather than what is thine. 
They thought more about what belongs to them and thinking about what they might gain rather than what might be yours. They were dishonest. So there's a little bit of truth to the fact that they were considered unreliable, that they were untrustworthy. They were kind of a dishonest bunch. Always fighting sometimes for a good reason for their flock to have green pastures. Religiously speaking, they were unclean. They were ritually unclean. They weren't just dirty in the sense that they had dust all over their bodies, but they were considered a ritually unclean class of people. They were religiously destitute. They weren't allowed many of the times to even come close to the temple. And oftentimes their jobs were so exhausting with such long hours and such crazy hours that they couldn't get to synagogue or to the temple anyway to make sacrifice or to hear the scripture preached. No wonder nobody considered them as righteous, as holy people, as unclean. And to be honest, as I think about the class of these shepherds, I can't help but think about in what areas and ways do I see what it is to be considered a shepherd and maybe see that in a little bit of my own life. Have I ever been unreliable before? Has anyone ever relied on me and I didn't show up when I said that I would? Have I ever been untrustworthy? Has everyone, anyone ever counted on me to be honest and yet I deceive them in some way, shape, or form? Even if I didn't think that it was harmful in any way, was I deceptive? Did I lie? Do I lie to protect myself? Am I dishonest for self-preservation? As I start to think about those characteristics of what people thought of shepherds and I start to apply them to myself, I can start to see a little bit of myself in the shepherd. And I'm wondering, can you see a little bit of yourself in the shepherd? Have you ever lied, ever been dishonest, ever been deceptive, ever been untrustworthy or unreliable, ever failed to be somewhere that you promised to be? Have you ever failed to make it to church because you just didn't want to get up in the morning? Because you were too tired, too exhausted from the night before to the job that you worked all week? Have you ever been so undesiring to show up to a church event just because it was just one more thing on your calendar that you would have to do and you just didn't want to do it. And here's the thing about the job of a shepherd. It was, it was exhausting. It was long hours and it was dangerous. They had to constantly protect the flock, not from just thieves, but from predators that wanted to take their sheep. And it was by large and part a very transient job. You're always moving. You never settled in one place. Always trying to find the next place in which your sheep might be watered and fed. And so as we think about the life and work of a shepherd, there's something really, really clear about it. It's not romantic. It's not a good job to have. It's not a job that I'm sure any one of us in here would be willing to say, I'll go be a shepherd. I certainly don't want to be a shepherd. You're worked to the bone and everybody hates you. 
doesn't sound like a job that I want. And yet, as I think about these traits of the shepherd, I kind of see how I could reflect the person of the shepherd. But here's something even more significant about the shepherd in this moment, in this passage. It is the very group of people that the Lord sent his angels to appear to on the night of the birth of Jesus Christ. He did not send his angels to appear to the Sadducees. He did not send his angels to appear appear to the Pharisees. He didn't send his angels to appear to the Zealots. He didn't send his angels to appear to the kings and the queens and the princes. He didn't send his, his angels to appear to the most wealthy and most rich in society. He sent his angels to appear to the lowest of the low, to the most unclean, to the dirty, to the untrustworthy, to the dishonest, the thieves, the dangerous working, the hardworking, the long-houred, transient people of the time. In every way, shape, and form, a shepherd is an example of just the person that Jesus came for. The outcast and the sinner. And so if you've ever thought yourself to be unworthy of the work of Christ, just remember he came for the shepherd. And so if he came for the shepherd... He also came for you. And here's what I want us to think about during this Advent season, during this Christmas time, that this is exactly the story that we need, the exact story that we should be reflecting on. You see, God appeared to the shepherds to ask them to be the ones present at the birth of Jesus should be the greatest comfort to our souls because none of us are too far gone from what Jesus came to accomplish in you and through you and in me and through me. I'm actually reminded of these words of the religious elite as Jesus was speaking to them in Luke chapter 5, 29 through 32. It says, And then a Levi, so a priest, made him a great feast in his house And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with them. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled at his disciples saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them. And let me make clear too, this is actually fascinating. In in all of the gospels, in all the questions Jesus is asked, he only answers about three questions. Here's one of them. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. The presence of the shepherds at the nativity of Jesus reminds us that he did not come for the righteous among us, for those that think that we have it all together, that we are put together, that we've got it all right, that we know everything about what it is to know about our faith, about our Christ, about our Father who is in heaven, about the work of the Holy Spirit, keeping the law perfectly, being the perfect little Christian. Those aren't the people that Jesus came for. 
didn't come for the righteous among us. He came for the shepherds among us. Those that would be willing to acknowledge their sinfulness are the ones that are invited into his presence. Think about this. When the angel of the Lord appeared to the shepherds, it says, and the shepherds were filled with great fear. And I want to think about that for a second because obviously we've seen that before where, where you would be filled with fear at the appearance of an angel. I mean, just read any of the descriptions of angels in the scriptures. They are, they are like flaming fire. They have eyes all around them. They're probably really, really scary to see and to look at. But even more than that, think about a shepherd who would have acknowledged his sinfulness, would have known that they aren't the greatest people, would have known they are the low in society. Having an angel of the Lord appear to you, I'm sure you would be filled with great fear. What is this angel of the Lord about to do to me? What have I done that has finally incurred the wrath of God? But the angel reassures, and the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. And so as I think about this one little line in this passage, I start thinking about how in my own sinfulness and my own awareness of how I have failed the Lord on not just a monthly basis or a weekly basis, but on a daily basis and maybe even a moment-to-moment basis, becoming aware of that only in so much of not to put myself down, but to remember the great goodness of what it is that God has for me. To remember that when the angel appeared to the shepherds, he said to them, fear not, because they truly had nothing to fear. The angels weren't appearing to the shepherds in order to bring wrath to them, in order to bring punishment to them, but it was to bring good news of great joy. Good news, meaning the UN Gelion, also translated as what? The gospel. The angels appear before the shepherds to bring them the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's what we need to reiterate during the importance of this season, that is a time, as it is a time of expectation, a time of waiting, of believing for something more and greater to appear, of one who would come to deliver us. But here's the thing with this good news, this gospel, that it is the power of salvation. Paul reminds us in Romans chapter 1, 16 and 17, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. What's amazing to me is that the shepherds, the lowest of the low, the sinners, the outcasts, they're the ones that heard the gospel. They're the ones that received the first testimony. Good news of great joy. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. 
these shepherds became witness to being the first recipients after Jesus' birth of the gospel, of the good news that is about Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the one whom all creation has been waiting for, has been longing for, has been groaning for, that all the prophets of the Old Testament had been speaking about time and time again. That moment has finally come. Even though these shepherds were never able to attend synagogue, never went to temple for sacrifice, they would have known the texts. They would have known the prophecies. They would have had the hope which every Jew at the time would have clinged to in the time of their oppression. When is the Messiah coming? And then here in the middle of the field at night, in the dark of the night, one of the most fringe groups of society get to hear the good news first. So for us, for those of us today, there is no point at which any of us are too far gone for Jesus to reach. In our own shepherd moments, he's looking to reach into your mess, into the dark, to bring you into great light. That is himself. Here's the one thing that I want us to grasp during this Advent season, this Christmas season, as we head into the new year what I want to become something that we reflect on as a church daily, that Jesus is the very best thing that has ever happened to any one of us. Jesus is the very best thing that has ever happened to you. Jesus is the very best thing that has ever happened to me. And if you don't know Jesus yet, he can be the very best thing that ever happens in your life too. Jesus was the very best thing that happened in the moment in time in those shepherds' lives as they were in the fields attending to their flocks and the angels appeared and they heard the good news. They left their flocks behind to go see what it was that these angels had been speaking about. They had been speaking about a new good shepherd John 10 reminds us that I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay my life down for the sheep. And I have no other sheep fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it for me, from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to pick it back up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Jesus is our good shepherd, and what makes him good is that he is not like all the other shepherds who are dishonest and thieving and sinners He's the good shepherd who goes after the one. He leaves the 99 behind to go after the one sheep that went astray. That is the good shepherd that we have. And this is the good shepherd that these shepherds have been called to go see. He's the very best thing that has ever happened to any one of us. Because he is not like any other shepherd He's the opposite. He's willing to lay down his life in a way and in a manner by which 
no one else could have done. By his sacrifice, we have been saved, healed, and delivered from our sin. And here's what happens when you know that Jesus is the very best thing that has ever happened to you in your life. When you have believed, convinced, and convicted that he's the very best thing that has ever happened in your life. That when the angels went away from the shepherds into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. You go and you experience this life that you have been given. When you know the good news of Jesus, you seek Jesus out in all that you are, in all that you have, in all that you are doing. You look to find out where he is and what he is up to. You want to follow him to the ends of the earth. When you know Jesus is the very best thing to ever happen to you, you leave your flock behind to go seek him out to be where he is at, to do the things he is doing. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. When you know that Jesus is the very best thing in your life, you can't help but tell that good news to everyone that you meet along the way. Everything that he is and everything that he's done for you, every good thing that the good shepherd is, knowing that for yourself, knowing that he is there for you, that you would go and be willing to tell others how he came for you, how he lived for you, how he died for you, and how he is raised to life for you you. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. And then you live like the shepherds as ones glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard. You go out with arms held high and mouth wide open, praising and glorifying God when you know Jesus is the very best thing that has ever happened for you. So let us not let this Advent season, this Christmas tide, pass us by without thinking about and reflecting on these things and allowing these words to change us and transform us even more. Every day, let ourselves be transformed by the good news of Jesus Christ. Just as the shepherds were transformed the moment the heavenly host appeared before them, even in the midst of knowing their sinfulness, their lowliness, of their outcastness, knowing that their good shepherd had arrived in the form of a babe. And he's the very best thing that has ever happened to those shepherds. He's the very best thing that ever happened to me. And he's the very best thing that has ever happened to you. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, we thank you. We thank you for the image of the shepherds, being the lowly of the low, being an image to us that those are the ones that you've come after, that you've come after us who are reflected in the image of those shepherds. God, that you desire relationship with us and that we would know that you are the very best thing that has ever happened to us in our lives. Getting to know you is the very best thing that could ever happen in our lives. The very sacrifice you made 
in your life, death, and resurrection is the very best thing that has ever happened to us in our lives. Now let us live as if that is what we believe. In your holy and precious name we pray. Amen.